Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Smug. Confident. Secure because you are sane. Do you know what madness is or how it strikes? Have you seen the demon? The surge through the corridors of the crazed mind? Come with me. Into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. Okie folks, I'm Frank Benacci and I'm the scum of the earth. Here we are with episode two. Ooh, kind of overshot that one, didn't I? Let me explain. This was actually part of a plan. I didn't forget you, Marcus. It was just part of a little weird plan I had. Maybe I can make it make sense to you. When I decided after the Michael Levy interview, I think I've talked about that before, how I did that interview with Michael Levy and I really just thought, had a great time with it and I wanted to continue with this interview format. And so what happened was... I reached out to Marcus, who is the person I knew Michael Levy through. And I said, oh, let me talk to Marcus. And he's a horror filmmaker and a good dude. And I said, this would be fun. The conversation ran two and a half hours, which is the longest recording session I've had for one of these. To this, Still, when I decided to air this episode, I felt that two and a half hours is a big ask, especially for a new show. I said, let me break it up into two parts. But I really wanted to get the other interviews that I'd recorded out the door. So, but then I realized I should do it at the end of that initial wave of recordings. I recorded seven of these interviews uh, when I first started airing the show. And I thought this would be a good way to recap because like kind of this full circle thing. I hadn't really thought this through. I thought this, oh, full circle. I was probably stoned. I was probably stoned if I'm being honest. So it made sense at the time is what I'm saying. So here we are. I've aired the other seven interviews. And did you like it? I don't know. I'm still learning how to do this. I just learned something the other day. It drove me nuts. I've been like yelling into the mic. And when I go back and edit, I'm like, why the fuck am I yelling? I have these earbuds in. When you have earbuds in, you kind of can't hear yourself. You know, when you're like somebody when you're on the phone and somebody asks you something, you're like, what? You know, when you're being a rude motherfucker at your local convenience store and you refuse to take your headphones out when the poor clerk is just wants to help you get on your way and you go, what? Oh, people stink. What were we talking about? No, I'm really asking. What are we talking about? Right. Still learning. I have to. I'm sounding off of my wife on that for this because I did not write anything again. Uh, I'm also not really editing this episode as aggressively as I normally do. Uh, it's an artistic decision, not me being lazy and wanting to go back to playing Quake on Switch. Not at all. That's not what's happening. Don't you clear your throat. I heard that. I heard that. Well, 
a lot's changed since I started doing the whole podcasting thing. Uh, this started out as a hobby. I think I mentioned this in the first episode, but I'll recap it a little bit. Like this started out as like a little hobby. My cousin Chris invited me into. It's become my entire day to day now. I wake up and I'm like writing notes down. I'm constantly editing something. I I edit three sh- up to three shows a week. And if you've listened to Zoning Out, I put a lot of time into Zoning Out. And I hope that comes across to people. I really wanted to make it like a real experience as opposed to any kind of recapture. I wanted to make it an experience that's different from like what your average show would be. And with uh, Scum of the Earth. So if you notice, it's a zoning out presents Scum of the Earth. And this might change. Well, shit, I gave it away. Okay, I could cut this. Don't worry about it. Forget I said that. Forget I said that. This became like a little side project. There was another side project that came on out of this show called Draft Class which is another podcast me, John Sachs, and the rest of the Zoning Out crew do. And we initially ran those on this feed for Zoning Out. Draft class wasn't a good fit for Bloody Disgusting, so we moved it over somewhere else. It's just because it's not horror. It's not strictly horror related. And, and plus, we, we just didn't want to be stuck with the horror format with that. Uh, keep in mind, though, there might be some crossover episodes down the line with that. As part of the big news package, I'm, I think I'm getting to. So... We recorded those seven episodes. I started airing them, got really good feedback on them. Like people really liked them. I was really happy with how people responded to them, especially the monologues, which I always think of the weakest part. Oops. So we just had like a little meeting with Bloody Disgusting and they liked the show. And I was blown away by that. Oh, you've listened. He's like, oh yeah, I love it. Do you, don't you think it deserves its own feed? I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, and do you guys need help getting guests? I'm like, yeah, I was just basically harassing people on their social media until they come on my show. And now it looks like we're going to be getting a little bit more help in that area. And it opens up a lot more possibilities for interviews for me, which I'm very excited about. So I was going to do a thing where it's like title of the show, the end, like YouTubers do. And you go like, you're, you're, oh, don't you hate when they do this, YouTubers, when they put up like the show is over or it's like this is ending. And it's just like you click on it. You're like, what? It's over. For this desk I've been sitting at for this time, we're going to buy a new one. It's such a clickbaity thing. I was going to do something like that, but I fucking hate that shit. Don't you hate that shit? So I'm not going to do that to you. I'm just going to let you know. All good things. This show has really changed my life. I really feel like I found something I belong doing, and I want to keep doing this for as long as I can. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I can't wait to show you where we're going with this. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I want to say, but some of it's not really fully realized yet. But if even half of these things go through that are planned, oh boy, we're going to have some fun. Uh, without further ado, let me thank again Marcus Levine for being the first guest on this show. He really set the tone for what I wanted this show to be. And I think that's good. I think it's good, hun. I think I got it. See, I usually write these down, but I was not being lazy. It's not that I just want to go play Quake. I just put the interview on. Goodbye. Now, you're working on Night of the Living Dead too. Like, how did that come about? So, actually, it spawned from Terry Alexander. Everything spawns from that beautiful <laughs> um, So, at the, I mean, it's, it's a short film, so I don't care but at the very end of Last Call, the point of Last Call is he doesn't want to play this tape that of his prank show that went wrong where somebody ended up getting killed. Um, and he's the cause of it. And at the very end, you hear the tape. 
and it plays over the credits so everyone watches the credits um that was kind of my thing i'm like i want people to watch the fucking credits because you need to watch credits when you watch a movie <laughs> and i was like you know what let me go for Lori Cordell. I want Lori and I wanted to get Jarleth, uh, but I had no connections to Jarleth. So Vinny Petrosini, who's now one of the producers of Night of Living Dead 2, and I, we've been friends for a while. So he knew Lori because they had done, um, had used her in a movie called, a uh, TV show called Doomsday. And I was like, you know, it's all right. And I contact her. So I contact Lori and we end up, um, uh hitting it off and uh Lori's like come on over to my place and we'll record it and she mentions um you know oh I, you know we shoot the thing she's the sweetest human being if you ever met Lori Cardell there's not a mean bone in her body um <laughs> and she's one of the sweetest human beings I've ever met in my life she's so sweet every person loves her you will she'll talk to you for hours she's just a great human being and she starts talking about, you know, Day of the Dead and how she would always love to see, like, you know, those characters come back together or in some form, you know, and just, you know, whatever. And I'm sitting there being like, ooh, idea. And um, I ended up bumping into Vinny um, at, um, what's the comic book store? Um, in, Forbidden uh, Planet? Yes, Forbidden Planet. And I was there with my, at the time, uh, significant other. And then he was there... Um, with his uh, significant other. And um, we both started talking and we started nerding out. And I told him about that, what Lori said. And those two walked away and um, Vinny and I just started going off and be like, oh, listen, we got, we should write a script. Let's write something. So, you know, Vinny's like, you know, um, he's like, yes, 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 yes. Let's, let's make this movie. So we, I write this pilot for not a day of the dead sequel, um, but just like a pilot about these cat, you know, different characters and everything like that. And everyone loves it. They go, this is great. There's a couple of tweaks and everything. And then we go after Jarleth and we meet up Jarleth and Jarleth is one of the funniest human beings. I love this guy to death. And he is by far a lost, like Academy Award winning actor. This guy, when we shot the sizzle for night of living dead, we had two people that ruined takes because they were crying at his performance and had a, we had, they had to leave the set. That's how good this guy is. Like, Amazing. How many actors there's so many people like you watch, especially when you're in the business, you work, you get to work with a lot of actors. Like why has nobody picked you up yet? And there's like, and then there's people you watch on the big screen. It's like, they're not that good. <laughs> it's dude. I have no idea what it is. And like, it's just that, you know, it's like agencies decide I'm going to put, and it's, it's like, are you just like rolling dice or something on people? You just like, is it just eeny, meeny, money, mo? We're going to put money behind you. And yeah. it's just like, but why? Like, they're not that great. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I guess this person gets to be in everything. And now, and it, it but that is what happens. They just keep doing it. And then they build up enough value that, their name alone gets them in another movie that should have gone to somebody else or something like that. Yeah, they're just know? taking up space. They're taking up a slot that could be yeah. going to somebody else. And it's just, yeah, once the machine has put money into you, like they have to make their money back. Once they decide to invest in you, like yeah. does you ever see like there's certain actors that keep ramming down their throat, even even though they're not like performing in movies, but yeah. it's like somebody invested a lot of money into this person and they're trying to get a return. So it's like, oh, yeah. we don't want them. And it's just yeah. like, and it just keeps, they keep pushing and this is weird, like how that happens, where 
I and that's I understand that, but it's like there's some like it's just the weird thing about it is to me is just like, eh. When no, there's like I've worked with so many people where I'm like this guy should be huge, and yeah. it doesn't make sense that you're not. Well, dude, I, the amount of times cast and directors have shoved I will not name the names, but like certain actors that I'm like this person's horrible, and they're just like no 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 you gotta cast them you gotta cast them, you gotta cast them I'm like, but they can't act like they're not good you know what i mean it's like stop just stop um and but yeah so like so then we got jarleth they all read the script we did a table read and which are uh, my favorite things i love table reads because you get and once you hear it and that you you get the most like i've watched things dramatically change off a table read where it's like oh that like there's always a lot of surprises, like yeah. stuff that works and some stuff that doesn't stuff that you weren't planning on being a moment, being a moment. It's just like, wait, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, shit. Oh, know, yeah. No, it. totally. And What's like, you know, seeing those three, Lori, Terry and Jarleth, um, you know, we had a few other people in there um, and uh, the, their agent who's also works for Image 10, which is the people that own the rights, um, which is a whole thing. But um, everyone loved the script. And hearing it aloud, I was like literally freaking out in my mind. I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is like, am, am I, is this fucking real? Like, I'm literally watching, you know, Lori Terry and Jarth from my one of my favorite fucking films that I've watched more times than I can fucking count. Um, say the words that I wrote out right now. And they're like, this is so good. They like they love it. And I'm like losing my mind. So, um, basically, this all happened right before the pandemic, and we were gearing up to shoot this as a series. Oh, I didn't realize this is this is right at is it, this is so get this silent forever. Um, wow, the pandemic hit, and um, put that to the side. We like, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like our cast is you know in the in the danger bracket, so we were like, okay, well, this is dead, and then we. Uh, as the pandemic came back, you know, ended and we were able to do stuff and we were like, oh, I'm going to turn this into a fucking movie. Let's make a feature film with, about this, you know, and use these characters. And uh, so we shot a sizzle, um, you know, and we uh, we brought in it was the fuzz and the lens guys from Terrifier and from um, um, from stream, you know, mm-hmm. it was 90 percent of that cat uh crew that was on there uh david howard thornton who plays arthur clowns in that who's also in dark offerings uh, yes david's amazing he's uh, one of the best physical performances i've ever seen like oh, it's just it's ridiculous yeah. and he's such like a fun dude to hang out with too you know what i mean he's just like such a good guy and like um lo- and huge you've probably heard him do it but he's a huge dc fan loves Batman. really oh yeah oh yeah um and um so so we got him in there um and then we have two names really big names that we've yet to be able to announce um and uh you know and we shot the sizzle and it's easily one of the best things i've ever shot in my life from the performances to the look to the way it cuts together the way it plays out um it's just you know in we have two younger actors in there you know clifton dunn comes back um so i brought him back oh you got you your boy oh, yeah, back I, I, yeah I, I tend to work with the same people and then the other um actors who we've been i've been working with on a lot of things is uh, allison patel both of them absolutely kill it in this you know it just it's such a beautiful 
uh sizzle that you know I, the people that you know like if they were to ever see it they'd lose their minds so um and uh it just watching those three on set gets i mean that's i mean if you're a fan of day of the dead like that's just dude like you pull that together that's crazy that you're able to pull that together those people like it's just like like that's it's amazing that has that happened before where you got all those three together again no one's ever had the three of them and um so this is the first time they were ever together in for 35 years um wow yeah, 35 years since the first time they were together. And they're going to be together again very soon. It's a shame we lost Joe Pilato because that would have been fun to have. Yeah, Joe Pilato would have been great. You know, um, I can't say the other people that we've talked to or we have involved. Okay, um, okay. Except for um, Claudio Simonetti would be doing some of the score from Goblin. No fucking way. I want to throw something at you right now. I don't have a... <laughs> You got fucking goblin. Me and my friend have a big on. Go- it's it's like one of our cornerstones of relationship. We fight over the Dawn of the Dead score a lot because I fucking really? love the Dawn of the Dead score. He hates it. It's just weird noise. I'm like, go fuck yourself. Like it's just one of those things that it's an ongoing argument we have like for like a decade decades at this point. Because anytime Dawn of the Dead comes up, I'm just like, dude, that's one of my favorite scores for a horror movie or just any movie in general. And he's just like, ah, it sucks. It's all weird synthy garbage. I'm like, shut up. Yeah, but see, if you look at any of these new films now, they're all using that same old thing. Like I've watched um, like Joe Bagos. Um, he just released a new movie, Christmas, Bloody Christmas, mm. which is about a robotic Santa Claus that gets uh, his his circuits go wrong and he goes around slaughtering a town of people on Christmas night. It's fucking great. But it's all the music's very much that. He also did uh, VFW, if you've ever seen that, that had like... Stephen Lang. Oh, right. The 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 guys at the bar, the old men. Yep. Yes. Yeah, but it's like it's all that music. I would fucking love VFW. I mean, I actually watched it last, rewatched it last night for like the hundredth time. That movie's so fucking good. Um and um, but like those old scores, they they work for a reason, you know. And when people don't understand it, I think it's because they're not connecting to like the visuals, also. Like they're just, you know, like right. You're still, looking like, at it as a lost albums, albums or lost themes, right? And you can start picturing visuals and you know movies and stuff in front of it. It's there's scores to nothing, but there's scores to everything. If that makes sense, yes. You know, uh, and it's so vital and important to do. Uh, so where are you at with uh, in uh, Night of the Living Dead uh, too? Uh, speaking of which, the title—it's a—it's fun that we any like a filmmaker could use that title. I just yeah. I'm just so, it's so cool. And you got to meet Romero once, right? Yes, I actually I interviewed Romero. Um, and um, we have the same taste in eyewear, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. Um, George George loved those glasses. I mean, it was, yeah. but um, I met him, and he was just um, we were I was interviewing him. It was right after Land of the Dead came out, and um, my friend at the time. Like, like it was for my old website. And what happened was, was that like his agent um, was a great guy. Chris Rowe was like, okay, you know, it's the end of the con. So we have like, you guys have like 10 minutes, you know, and that's it. But Romero will talk and talk and talk. So my friend is sitting there and I'm sitting being like, you know what? I'd rather ask for, you know, I'd, I'd rather uh, um, ask for forgiveness, you know, than be like, okay, 10 minutes is up. So I just keep asking Romero questions and my friends like this, he's like tapping his wrist behind Romero. And I'm like, 
bro, fuck you. And I finally asked George, um, you know, what, what's the best advice you have for indie filmmakers? You know, and he was like, he, he, he was saying, you know, well, back in the day, you know, we didn't have all this technology. We were filming them with like a little fucking C, like Sears piece of shit camcorder. Olex, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, um, and he's just like, you know, back then, you know, you had to rent out the cameras, you had to hire the crew, you had to do all this stuff. And, you know, you had to plan it like for this one day of shooting. He goes, now he points at the camera. He's like, now there's your, your movie. Um, he goes, you want my advice? He goes, my advice? Just go out and do it. Just go out and fucking do it. He goes, grab a friend, grab your camera, sh- write something down and shoot it. If it sucks, learn from it. Say, why does this suck? And then make something else. He goes, that's I, all it is. And I, I live by that. He's a good dude from by all accounts. Anybody I know, know does. Ironically, my friend who hates the Goblin score came up in Pittsburgh filmmaking. Oh, wow. And, and worked with Romero for like this first few years as like, you know, a PA and intern. And, yeah. and he says, just the greatest guy. He was a sweetheart. Yeah. And it's a shame we lost him. He was like, uh, and I, it's amazing what he created. Like, there is, like he created a genre. It's like, yeah. it's just like very few guys made a genre. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at each one of his films, they're only getting better with age. They're the very, you know what I mean? Like there's certain films that you watch and you're like, eh. But like Night of the Living Dead is, the original Night of the Living Dead is so now, it's it's even more relevant now than it was even back then. It's like, crazy it was, how it fresh is, that movie is. It's insane. I look but, at this film and I just go, oh my God, like. You know, it's the first film to have a black man uh, be the lead that shoots a white man. It's the first film to have a black and man. And arbitrarily, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like making sense. It's like, no, because he was the right guy for the job. That's it. Exactly. That's what's brilliant about it is that, you know, like now, like people are like, oh, you know, it was so ahead of its time because, you know, he chose it. It's like, no, he did it because he was the best actor. And Romero had this quote. I'm. Oh, fuck. I'm, I read it. It was on a whiteboard that I have and I'm going to fuck it up. But it, it's um. it was like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to have to sell my soul to make movies. I don't want to have to move to ho- I don't want to live in Hollywood so I can live that lifestyle. I just want to make movies, period. I just butchered the hell out of it. But the core of what he's saying is he just wanted to make films. He didn't want he didn't give a shit about. You know, all the politics. He didn't care about everything else. He just, he was just like a man that wanted to make art, tell stories, make some beautiful cinema, and just have, you know, just an unlimited amount of just storytelling. And that is a true filmmaker. And I don't think anybody alive, you know, can will ever replace George A. Romero. I think he will always always be an icon to filmmakers to independent filmmakers to horror fans and be like you know somebody that paved the way for so much um you know he's when you when people talk about george romero you just see like their eyes welling up you know it's just great dude he just did so much for everybody and you know. I just rewatched Martin, which is one of his more low key things. A lot of fun that movie. I love Martin. John Amplis is incredible in that movie, mm-hmm. you know? and that's uh, got um, you know, or like if you watch the original Crazies, um, years ago, we're talking decades. I must have. I know I saw it because I remember yeah. renting it back in the well, day got, on VHS. So <laughs> it has like a very crazy. Uh, um, he he had Richard Liberty who plays Doctor Frankenstein in Day of the Dead. 
mm. who plays a very I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen the crazies, even though it's like 30, 40 fucking years. 50 old. probably closer. Probably. Jesus. Um, but like see the crazies. And Richard Liberty is he was such an un like he he he's another one, like like a Jarleth or like a Laurie or like a Terry, where it's like how the fuck was Richard Liberty not in every goddamn movie? How was he not our Gary Oldman? Like, <laughs> you know, it's it blows my mind. He's they were there's such incredible actors. Yeah, I used to think they must have pissed somebody off when I see a great actor like not go somewhere. They must have pissed somebody off. It's like, which I need to I wanted to believe that because that's the only thing that would make sense to me. Yeah. But it's like it's sad that it's just no, it's just more arbitrary than that. It's just like somebody decided not to, you know, they just didn't think about that, it. It's like that's crazy. Yeah. And like when Day of the Dead came out, Day of the Dead opened up against Return of the Living Dead. And mm. that that just, you know, it confused people because people were like Return of the Living Dead. Oh, that's going to be the new one, you know, and like it's a drastic difference. Like both films are incredible. But Return of the Living Dead is a fast paced, hilarious zombie, you know, like raw. it's just a completely different feel. And it's more of like a party movie, whereas Day of the Dead um I actually we were on stream um and people had never seen day of the dead and terry was going to be coming down so damien and myself put on a movie night and we had watched th- this night i'm trying to remember all the films we did a um we did commando death Wish <laughs> and then we went upstairs we partied his and we- teeth yeah, <laughs> uh, it's my. Fa- um, I'll never forget that scene for the first time when it's just like that's like when the movie just became a cartoon. At that point, he just oh, fucking dude, hit him geez. with a Home Alone, with a oh, Home yeah. Alone style thing. It's teeth are lodged in the plank of wood. I love that so much, dude. I do. Death Wish Three is incredible. And then like so, we then we came back down, and it was like four thirty in the morning. We're all kind of drunk and everything. The sun's coming up. We put on Day of the Dead, and now Day of the Dead is slower movie. That's a movie mm-hmm. that people will probably most likely pass out to. Damien and I were like, fuck, we're going to put this on. And nobody passed out. Everybody sat there from start to finish. The sun literally came up as like, you know, like during like the final 30 minutes of the movie. And everyone was like, holy shit, this movie's fucking incredible. They could not stop watching it. That's a testament to a great movie, you know? Yeah. It's also Tom Savini's fun, finest hour. Like that's oh, just totally agree. Yeah, he just kills it in that one. Oh my god! Like, yeah, like they're they're still they. I you know I've watched all the behind the scenes and everything, and he talks about how he did everything, and I still go, how the fuck did he do that? Like I know how you did it, but how did you do it? Like it's you know everything just looks so incredible, and you know you can tell that like Nicotero, who's in the film and also worked on it, like learned so much. It's just you know, Day of the Dead is one of those films that at its time, nobody understood. Nobody wanted that film. And everyone thought it was overacted and everything. Those were the reviews, because at the time, you have to look at what was out at the time. You had pro-patriotic, you know, America, fuck yeah, movies like, you know, Rambo was big at the time, you know, all, right. you know, all these big films. But it was all pro-America. And then you get this dark anti-Vietnam fuck you movie. That's like, no, this is what it's really like. And this is what it does to people's minds and shit. And people are like, ah, no, let's go back to Rambo. You know? Right. It's it's yeah. Which celebrates the military. Ironically, this the first it's weird about Rambo's trajectory. It was like, oh, yeah. Like criticizing the military, comp- military industrial complex to 
America, rah, rah, rah. Hi, I'm a traumatized <laughs> war vet, and I'm going to kick foreigners' AIDS. <laughs> it's such a weird about face thematically. And oh, then, yeah. like, yeah, and, like, Romero's just, like, like, you know, like, like sticking it to the man with that movie as he did with a lot of his films. Really? And it's just like, yeah, I didn't even realize the context of the time. Cause I, I grew up with that film. Like everybody, it was the, it was only in my twenties when I started talking to other horror fans that I gave it like a reevaluation. Cause I always considered it the black sheep of the, the trilogy. Same here. Everybody like, did. And it's like, no, you need to watch it again. And yeah. it's, and it's like, all right. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this movie's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it, 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 absolutely incredible how how ahead of its time and it's romero's favorite um hmm. i believe i I've, i saw him say or heard him say once um because it's also the film he fought for you know like he was originally going to get twice the amount of money he was going to get like i think it was like a 10 or 20 million dollar budget to do a big budget zombie movie like the day of the dead it was supposed to be big it was supposed to be basically land of the dead mixed with day of the dead it was supposed to be that was that like a lot of the themes and stuff that's in land were in um, day. And, but they said, yeah, you have to cut out the gore. It has to be toned down because we want an R range so we can make it theatrical. And Romero was like, fuck you. No, not like I want to tell this thing. So they gave him, took away all the money. He had like, I think maybe $3 million <laughs> to do it. And he made that. And it's like, that is what's true. That's what I, I always, I really, I think every big filmmaker that started out small, like even Spielberg, I would love to see Steven Spielberg do an independent film again. I want to see him do a $5 million budget or a $1 million. But I just want to see him make a movie with, you know what I mean? Go back to the roots. You know, I want to see him do a duel like film, a film like duel again. Exactly. Like, let's see that. Like, I want to see like Sam Raimi do like another evil Dead, which Sam Raimi does. You know what I mean? Like drag me to hell was incredible. that was such a fun surprise because like, oh, yeah. you know he'd been out of the game for so long and i was just and it was pg-13 i'm like eh, i think it'll work whatever i'll that see movie it never should have been pg-13 i am sorry I, but that movie never should have been pg-13 i don't understand how it <laughs> how it was it's a it's it's pretty intense oh yeah and like or like you know like i love james wan and james wan but I, like I, you know i know malignant was like polarizing but malignant was that movie how do you that not smile went... in the last half hour of that movie oh my god oh that's what like see that's a weird litmus test that movie because yeah. the the second half either breaks people or brings them in and i was in that camp that it's like okay yeah like, it's just like and i said this is the best siege like you know i like the best siege on a police station ever put on film and i i'm talking terminator and yeah. Maniac Cop 2. And I'm like, I think we got a new winner. It's just yeah, like... 100%. But like, he went to the studio after like doing Aquaman and like Fast and the Furious 7 and said, I want to make... You know, and they're like, James, we want you to make another horror movie. You're going to give us Conjuring? You're going to give us a city? He goes, no, I'm going to give you Basket Case. And he got <laughs> them to spend 10 million fucking dollars on a remake of Basket Case and like it's like his giallo it's like it is that is really what he did and i have so much respect for somebody that goes and does that and gets a studio to pour all this money into it and it's just insane you know it's the only other filmmaker that i see that does that stuff like that is is edgar wright who has yet to make a bad film um and last night in soho was probably one of my favorite films of the past like 10 years i 
fucking love gorgeous. that movie. It's a gorgeous movie. Oh, it's not so to brag, just but just as you brought up Basket Case, I got a VHS signed by Frank Henenlotter. And, Are you serious? Uh, yeah. Oh my god, that's so funny. He shows up at the Brooklyn. I mean, he did before the pandemic. He would show up. I'd seen like three things that he hosted, and he's all he's a real nice dude, really, really? sweet guy. Dude, yeah. he was he's, so, he's great. He's a fucking cranky dude. And I love it. Like and like like the kind of crank guy I get. Ah, that stinks. Like I brought <laughs> like I brought up uh, uh, this show is called Scum of the Earth because I'm a huge Herschel Gordon Lewis fan. And yeah. uh, and uh, I brought up Herschel Gordon Lewis. He's like, ah, that guy is a fucking crook. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's a fucking crook and his movies stink. And he's like, well, it. Yes, these things might be true, <laughs> these things, but I love uh, Herschel Gardlows. But he, he says, I love guys like that. It was just unfiltered. I, another guy like that I worked with. And this is like how weird, like Cruiser is very sensitive. And I just like I work with Brian. I got to work with Brian Dennehy on a I was. Uh, Get out of here. Yeah. Before oh, he I died. I love Dennehy. And, I love. Rest in peace. Yeah. Oh, uh, I got to work with him one day on this uh, short film. And the crew everybody hated his guts now because for the reasons i loved him he was and he was a great great dude just fyi just like yeah. take it from me the guy was a great dude because i i was sitting in back because that's the reason i did it i i don't do gna but i came out of retirement for gna just like yeah we're gonna have uh, a few actors we're gonna have brian denny he's like i'll be there i'll do it and yeah. i and i inserted myself and i i have no idea what i'm i haven't done gene for like six seven years at this point and i just said fuck it i'm just gonna do it and i'm like what's this called a stand i was like oh yeah stand. <laughs> i was just like <laughs> get that box thing the pear box an apple box yeah that <laughs> i just wanted to be there to watch dennehy and he was just a fucking he was a funny he was the funniest motherfucker you ever meet he was yeah. a cranky bastard that's what i but everybody's like oh he's such a pain like and he's like you know they're very sensitive on films that's a lot of people and yeah. it's like like how many fucking takes you want of this holy shit and but like he's the kind of guy you could say ah fucking leave me alone. it's like you could say bride one more you fuck and he would laugh he was like <laughs> put, they were taking it wrong like they were saying like they were like oh jesus like when he'd say like how many fucking takes you want to like oh goodness that's not very professional. yeah like he's he was 80 years old at the time. He don't give a shit anymore. And we just sat back and just like and I pretended to know about football just so we could talk because he was just like, talking, hey, you watch football lately? <laughs> and he's just like he was just a cool dude. And he was just like chatting you up every, like between takes. He was just a great guy. I loved him. And uh, please tell me you asked him about FX. I didn't. I really didn't want to talk. I was just trying. I was just sitting there. Oh. We kind of I tried to steer it towards FX. I steered it. Uh, where did I steer it to? I steered it. I don't know why, because I was just kind of awestruck. The Lion in Africa. It's just a weird movie he did in the eighties. And I just steered it to that because I just had a. I, it was the only thing I had an interesting anecdote about, about how I watched it. My house yeah. caught fire when I watched it, and that was the only thing I said. You know, I was watching your movies. Just I just want just I was just finding any excuse to talk about. It. But a uh, fun thing is that he left his. At the end of the day, he says goodbye to everybody, and he drops his script in the trash. Like you know, I was just like you know, it's not not angry way, just to throw it in the trash. He's done with it. And I fished it out and it's just like, I still have it. It's like all his notes that he made for himself and all like the oh little, like, God. and it was just like, I said, holy shit. He just threw this out. I'm fucking keeping this. And that's one of my, like my favorite things I own. I was just like, oh my God, I, I fished dude, this out. Of fresh. That is, see that now that that's getting inside the mind of the actor, you know? Yeah. That's, it's that, fantastic. That's you, you can't beat that. Like, like, you know, like, like you can get a hundred signatures from somebody, but like getting that, that's literally the only reason, well, at least that's what he says now, Gus Van Sant remade Psycho. He mm. said, 
I had no interest in it. The only reason was because they would allow me to look at Alfred Hitchcock's notes on all the scripts of Psycho and everything. And I got to look at how he made a movie. And that's why I did it. Yeah. And, and he want and he's like his thing was he wanted to make it so somebody else wouldn't fuck it up and remake it. He's just like I'll just remake it again. It was like it's a weird it was a very shrewd move when you look back on it. Oh yeah. And, and I uh, mean it's pretty much gone as you know it's gone from the zeitgeist as quickly as Game of Thrones was, which I've <laughs> never seen something disappear from the zeitgeist so fucking quickly where everybody talked about it and then it aired and then everyone bitched about it for 2 days and then no one talked about it since. It's the weirdest thing is like is is another thing like that the biggest money maker of all time in film, Avatar, left no lasting cultural impact whatsoever. Because I, you know, I I spent a lot of time going to cons, even made a movie about it. It's available on YouTube. Welcome to the future. Anyway, it was just like, uh, it's funny that you never saw cosplayers as the Navi or anything from that oh. movie, which it left no lasting impression, which is so strange. And it's like yeah. the only movie I could think of that was that big and left and yeah and it's, it's funny you say that it's just like game of thrones like nobody talks about that that was the thing that was like everybody's life for like a decade almost yeah and i remember when avatar came out i can i've never been able to watch it since then i watched it in the theater and imax 3d and i thought i had a blast and i thought it was Me an too. incredible experience i tried to watch it after i just couldn't watch it i'm like it, it's it was unwatchable the dial everything it just was i would see it in the theater again um in that in that in that type of thing but like i just have no like it just got re-released i don't think it even did well um because it's like when it came out people were talking about how they were it was euphoric for them they'd go in and it'd be like they entered a new world that they never thought could exist and they wish it was them and i'm like jesus this is like becoming like like religion to these people and now gone new ones coming out and i don't see anybody giving two bucks like, I, but i will say this i will go see it because one reason Jimmy james cameron? cameron is the sequel god like you never count him down you know how many times like, i it's like avatar i said and just from you can't count the guy out because mm-hmm. every time like titanic if you if you remember leading up to that this is gonna be a colossal bomb that yeah. was the talk it's like it costs too much they'll never make their money back and same thing with Avatar to a lesser extent. It's like, what the fuck is this? Who cares? It's like, all right. It's, he literally uh, walked into Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers was like, well, we want to do this and this and this. Um, or or uh, maybe not Warner Brothers. Whoever may, uh, did, whoever put it out. And he's in the building. And he's sitting in the room. And the producers are basically like, listen, we want to do all these cuts on your new Avatar movie. You want to do this? And he goes, you see this building that we're in? Titanic paid for this. You built this building based off of the money that I fucking made you. Yeah, right. You're not touching my film. And hey. it's the only James Cameron can like go to these studio execs, take his balls out, plop them on the fucking table and go, fuck you. I'm not. He probably skydived to the meeting too because he's a fucking nut like that. Oh my <laughs> God, yes, he is. The stories of him making the abyss. Like, Dude, it's crazy. It's like, it's like you, you almost killed yourself and everybody, but like. Ma'am, do man, the abyss is a fucking great movie. That's my favorite of his, I think. Of, I love uh, the abyss. It's so underrated. It really is, and it's so like, like even the CG in it, like it's like this was cutting edge for its time. It's you know, I mean, I wouldn't say the CG's aged the best, but even still, it's still a marvel of like, I there's been never been another underwater movie that has had that realistic of an impact or anything. I don't think like I just can't think of anything 
um, you know, like that. The way he he's one of the best stagers of uh, stages. That's not a weird word. Word uh, is of the set pieces. This scene yeah. with Michael Bean. Oh God! Like you oh. know what I'm talking about is one of yes, my I favorite do. moments of ten sustained tension ever put on film. Is in that movie. I actually worked with Michael Bean on my first movie. Wow! And and, and like I knew him every single time. Like I wanted to do talk to him. Someone would come up to me and remind me of another film he was in. Cause I just knew him, you know, they go, Oh yeah, he was in Terminator. That's all I knew. And I was like, that's cool enough. And then like, I was going to go up to him and someone goes, Hey, you know, he's an aliens. I'm like, who the fuck does he play in aliens? They go, Hicks. He plays Hicks. And I go, what? That's Hicks. So like every fucking movie. So finally the last day he, they're wrapping him out. He's walking off. And, um, one of the guys just goes, now's your chance. I'm like, ah, and he pushed me forward. And I almost fucking tackled Michael. Because like I go flying forward and like I go, hey Michael. And I and like he goes, he's just like, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, hey man, I just have to say it was great working, yada yada. But by the way, I need to know something about James Cameron. And he's like, go ahead. And I go, so look, in Terminator, um Sarah Connor bites your hand. Okay, to see that, just make sure you're real. And um aliens, Newt bites your hand. Um, oh yeah. yeah and then in the abyss um ed harris bites your hand in your end fight so i go <laughs> i said to him so i'm like what is your what is james cameron's obsession with people biting you and biting your hand and he just goes holy shit you're right he's <laughs> a weird sick fuck <laughs> he goes, i gotta That's ask great. him and i took a photo with him and he walked That's away. That's awesome uh what's your dream project Oh fuck. Um dream project. That's a good one. Cuz we all got one. I have a few, but uh yeah, I've got a few. Like um one of the ones that I um I want to do um I wrote a book when I was in high school called um it was originally called Hell House, but uh um LLC is out. Yeah, yeah. Which was so, surprisingly decent. I love the first one. Um, my I haven't seen the other ones. That um, the uh, Joe Bandelli produced the first oh. three, um, and the first one for found footage and all that shit. That's excellent. Fucking terrifying. Um, and um, but it was basically my evil bed. It was like people get stuck in this mansion that's possessed, but like it's over the top gory. It is just bat shit insane. Um, and I've always wanted to do it. I just needed a big budget for that. Um, you know, and I really want to do like a demons movie. Like, as you, you can tell, like, I want to make an evil dead movie that is just insane over the top, but like, just, you know, character, good characters and all this stuff. I would honestly say the two films I would love to remake. Um, and I love them both. One of them is Sean Cunningham's, um, uh, I'm sorry, Steve Miner's House. Oh, God, I love House. I love House. Um, I think it's one of the most underrated um, movies of the 80s. I think it's such a great fucking story. And I think it's actually a great kids horror movie. If you really break it down. It's a kids movie. Um, and I Not as much it. as House 2. But, oh, uh, yeah, no, no. They I really love House 2. House 2. House 2, I wouldn't even consider a horror film. It's a fantasy film. for It's a fun 100%. fantasy film with little horror sprinklings. Exactly. And, like, I love that movie. I would love to redo it. 
Um, but the biggest, but the film that I think I would want to do the most that I wrote a version of a script for a while ago. That crazy um, old bitch. Just use my aunt. <laughs> Heart of gold, though. <laughs> is a is a movie called Neon Maniacs. Um, have you ever hmm. seen this movie? No, I've never seen the. Uh... So okay, you got to find this movie. So I'll it's find it. it's a movie that um, Gremlins came out. And these people said, we need to make an R-rated slasher version of Gremlins. So it's about these slashers, all these crazy slashers that live under the Golden Gate Bridge um, that come out at night and slaughter people. But here's the kicker. They are only, they can only um, be killed by water. Hmm. But they live under the Golden Gate fucking bridge. So let that figure it out. And like like the big opening introduction to them is them. Like all these people are like they're in like a field and they're like smoking weed, doing drugs. One dude's getting a blowjob and all the maniacs come out and you start seeing how they can all do like one of them. One of them's got like a lasso and he's like hangs one of them. Oh, wow. Like a samurai. Like, oh, they all have a different gimmick. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And like slices this girl's head off as she's like going down on this guy. And like it's just insane but the problem with the movie is that they never filmed the third act so the movie just ends because it's all this movie's also known for being the first film to have andrew divoff who would go on to become the Wishmaster in right and what happened was was that they shot half the movie and then they did not pay the crew so the crew walked and they had to get a whole new crew get money again and then they shot the second half but they never had it was supposed to be a giant battle, I guess, with all the maniacs. And it's and it ends up just being a school battle. Like they just shoot some of them and then it ends. And um <laughs> but like I it's such a creative thing. And I love to just do my own take on all the creatures and all the all the slashes because it's all just different characters and they just threw in all these random ones and all this stuff. But I think it'd be such a great, awesome slasher film to do now. Um is that that sounds like something Vinegar Syndrome put out recently? If somebody, one of those are Vinegar, uh, Arrow or one of those Syndrome. guys, I've gone up to Vinegar Syndrome every time I see them, and they're I, doing God's work. Those guys, oh, they really are. As I'm handing them a hundred fucking dollars from my bank account to plop down on five movies or something like that, I go, "So guys, Neon Maniacs," and they're like, "We know, we're trying." It is that's the other problem, Neon Maniacs. It is one of the hardest films. To get. The director's dead, the writer's dead. Um, the production company does not exist anymore. So it's like one of those things. The only reason why everyone knew about it is because it got released through Anchor Bay on DVD. Oh, Anchor Bay. I know. I miss Anchor Bay, man. Hold, Hold on, on a second. I want to show you something because we're talking Anchor Bay. Uh, I, go I got to show you something. I got to get props. Hold on. Yes, get the props. Intermission. And now a word from our sponsors. testimonies heard today are pertinent to the case of Annie Marie Singleton. Seclusion. My name is Vince LaRusso. I'm a detective with the Grafton, Vermont Police Department. Seclusion. I'm Betsy, would you introduce yourself for our records? My name is Elizabeth Stewart. Seclusion. Is there anything in your conversation to suggest that your sister was in trouble? No, she sounded... This is harder than I thought it would be. Seclusion. 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 
nobody you can think of from your past who'd wanted to disrupt her life in some way? I don't know. The internet is crazy, so I... Betsy. Seclusion. Seclusion. Is there any? Seclusion. Seclusion. Conceivable reason to believe. Seclusion. Seclusion. That Annie committed those murders. Seclusion. 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 This episode is brought to you by the good folks at Far West Press and Maverick indie filmmaker Kansas Bowling. We go way back with Miss Bowling, don't we guys? Yes sir, as the time of this recording, about one week. First up, for those who hate writing letters, there's pre-written letters for your convenience, pre-written by Kansas, alongside her sister and frequent co-conspirator Parker Love Bowling. A series of increasingly specific and absurd letters that are meant to be cut out and sent to the people in your life. If you're like me, and I know I am, this book will tickle your funny bone and caress your aching knees. Next up is the companion book to Miss Bowling's upcoming film Cuddly Toys, the aptly named A Cuddly Toys Companion. All kidding aside, I was shown a screen of this film, and it is nothing short of a masterpiece. Oh, don't worry, folks. You're gonna hear a you're gonna hear a lot more about this film from me in the coming months. I was genuinely floored by it. This book follows the harrowing and often hilarious adventures Kansas and crew went on in making this soon-to-be classic. If you love film, filmmaking, and crazy behind-the-scenes stories, this book delivers all that in spades. And fret not, you needn't be familiar with Mrs. Bowling's ouvure. How do you say over? Am I saying over right? Over? Yeah. You don't need to be familiar with Miss Bowling's over <laughs> to enjoy this pair of books. You must simply be of unusually high intelligence and distractingly attractive, which is how I see our audience in my mind's eye. But now is your chance to prove it with action by heading on over to farwestpress.com and picking up pre-written <laughs> rubber baby buggy bumpers and picking up pre-written letters for your convenience and a cuddly toys companion. While you're out, check out kansas-bowling.com to see what goings-on she's up to lately. You'll be supporting our shows by supporting our new sponsors, Kansas Bowling and farwestpress.com. Thank you for listening, folks. I love you. I think I got it. One of my prized possessions, one of my favorite releases, and when I loved when Anchor Bay would do these, these big steel uh, versions. Oh, yes! Remember these? Oh, I love when Anchor oh, Bay put these God, out. Oh, my God, that is great. Yeah, I still have that displayed. I love these. I'll never throw these out. Dude, I, I still have the Book of the Dead edition. Um, I do, too. I was about to grab it, but it like started crumbling in my hand. Yeah, same here. The... <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you can't touch it now. Like... Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's like, oh, that's where it's staying, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it literally lives over there. Now it's like, it's, it's like, you know, like you put on gloves and you're picking it up and it's like pieces are falling off. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I got mine. I got mine signed by um by uh, Bruce on there. And now oh. I can't even show people the fucking signature anymore because I don't want to open it. Um, recently, I picked up. Oh, yeah. Since we're doing the props, I'll show you this. <laughs> I have that. I was going to show you that, too. I have the Wicker Man, but I have the wooden Why one, too. Getting... There it goes. I have the Wicker Man wooden one. Dude, this is incredible. How the fuck is this selling for, like, 10 bucks? Really? Like, it's still... Oh, yeah. I see. I've actually looked it up I to see if it's... I bought this for $10. I'm like, this alone is... It's fantastic. It's, on... it's a fucking wood. I'll get you my prize. One of my prize ones. It's... I got my day of the dead, but since you're a big Felissa Rogues fan. Oh, boy. Even though I couldn't pronounce her name like a fucking zip. So, back in the day when I did the review site, 
I would just buy any any movie that got released. I just bought blind. So when they re- said that they were going to release Sleepaway Camp as a box set, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I'm just gonna go out, and I went out the day it came out, and I picked it up. The following week, it got recalled because of the cover. The cover had a bloody cross on it, and it looks like a survival kit. And oh, you can't it. use that symbol, the Red Cross symbol. Exactly. Yeah, that's why Undoom and releases a Doom. Yeah, I got. Wow. And it got recalled, and it's been my prized one. And when I met Felissa and told her about it, and we had already, you know, like I kind of knew her a little bit, and she just goes, oh, my God, he actually has this one. Holy shit. She was, like, losing her mind about it because they don't get a lot of these. Wow. He's got recalled so quickly. Yeah, like, that's um, why in uh, Doom, all the med packs, like, releases of the original Doom, it's different now because they can't use that Red Cross yeah. logo. Yeah, the American Red Cross is like, fuck you and your fucking horror Cross. movie. And you're, Babies. It sucks. It's like. You know, we're giving you free publicity here. You know, they're yeah. they're patching up the severed arms. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, What's but, but um, but yeah, man, it's like like I miss Anchor Bay. I'm I'm a huge collector of physical media. I fucking love it. There's still so many great companies out there. Ronin, have you, do you ever get anything from like Ronin Flicks or like Ronin? Uh, I get a lot of stuff from Arrow. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, I love that something weird is like partnered up with the Agfa, and like Agfa's like been putting out some crazy shit, like yeah. just crazy genre stuff. Uh, but really, Vinegar Syndrome's amazing what they're doing. I love it. Like to me, they're the gold standard of a lot of these things. So it's the stuff that would never be released. No, they like, really are. And like, like I picked up a couple of the 4Ks. Um, like I got um, oh, I'm looking at um, Six String Samurai. Oh my um, god, that's the first DVD I ever bought. Uh, back in like 1998. My God. That was actually, it was that and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Cause I remember my first DVD purchase and I grabbed Six Things Samurai because I'd seen a trailer for it in uh, theater when I was in San, San Diego. Like, and I say, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Elvis, <laughs> zombies, fucking post apocalypse, El- <laughs> and Elvis, yeah. I'll take it. The movie makes no fucking sense. No. Whatsoever. But it's incredible. Love the soundtrack by the Red Elvises. Yeah, no, that that was great. Um, what else I got? Um, New York Ninja. Okay, that's the movie that uh, what's his name? Uh, Christ, uh, they just did it. Ginger Lynn does a voice in it. Uh, yeah. So basically, the the story behind it, and that's what sold. They just found the film, but like no sound. So they had no like uh, Don the Dragon Wilson. They had so him dub it. The film. They had I to, just like, watched it recently. Together. Yeah, and just had I'm to like, figure out what about. It's actually a lot of fun that movie. Oh yeah. But like the idea that they took a film from 1980s that never was put together without a fucking script and red lips and all this shit, to me, that is mind blowing. I'm like, that is just a feat in itself. That is filmmaking. Like that's so beautiful. It's like you said, they're doing God's work. You yeah. know? Like that's a that's I I work I I'm not on work. I've uh, I'm friendly with this guy who his job is restoring old uh, films. Like he's right now he's restoring uh, one of the earliest talkie serials starring Boris Karloff. And uh, cause it was a release as a silent film and then a sound version. And uh, he's, it's not easy to find people to like read lips. It's like, he's having a fucking time and he's got money. Like he's got the money to do it. It's just, it's not about money. It's just finding the people to actually do it is very, it's a very specific skill set. 
And there's not a lot of people who do it. So it's very hard to do it. Like that's, that's what's amazing about that movie. It's like, I can't believe you did this Yeah. for this movie. Um, yeah, dude. Like, like uh, so when I was younger, I watched this movie um, called, it was one of the guys my mom dated. And all he did was talk about rituals, rituals with uh, Hal Holbrook and uh, Lawrence Dane. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a deliverance ripoff, but I could never find the movie. And then finally I was at a con and I bought, I bought like, it was like a VHS PS and I got um like a bootleg fucking VHS copy of it. And it was, I could barely see the half the movie, but I loved it. So Ronan Flicks got the film and they patched it up as best they could because there is no clean original negative. So it's like still scratchy and still fucked, but it's become one of my favorite blu-ray releases because mm. it's such a great forgotten movie i think it's better than deliverance um and it's about four guys that go to canada and um they go camping in like a like a rural area and they go to sleep one night drunk and there's somebody out there um and when they wake up all their shoes are gone and they're like fuck you know because in the middle of nowhere and like there's like weird shit just happening so one of them goes to search for it like to go for like go back to the helicopter and like there's like a inbred motherfucker that's always following them that's like it's just yeah i don't want to spoil it but it's like if you can get it get a copy of it from ronin flicks they've been sold out of it because it did really well um it's I'm glad physical media is kind of making a comeback in a certain way like vh who would have thought vhs collecting would be a thing like right now like dude this like vhs's that i had that i got rid of back in the day that i'm beating myself up that go for an insane amount of money now oh yeah it's yeah, ridiculous collects vhs he's, and like he's and he he sells them too and he's it's such good money it's it's insane like i i know someday dvds are gonna go that way you know what i mean like, they, I, they some are there some are that are like oh yeah hundreds I actually have a couple DVDs that were very small print things. I have like a thing that's a silent, a collection of silent films, and it's like, oh, I wonder how much this is worth. And it's just like in the hundreds because it's like it was a small print, and, yeah. and there's no other release of it. And who knows if there'll ever be another release of it? So it's just like, yeah, people want it, and it's like you can't find it anywhere. So you might as well people. This the people collect everything, and I'm a psycho collector of things. I'm a, a video, big video game collector. So that's like my big obsession. Well, even but, that you, you can get big money, like. Like the thing is too is like if you look at a film like Dogma, right? Big name film, right? But you know that that did well because Weinstein owns it. You can't get copies of it. They cannot release a new Blu-ray. That Blu-ray that you bought in the fucking bargain bin for like six bucks Probably goes for like four hundred bucks now. That's crazy. It's insane. I, I it's believe not it. even a good Blu-ray. It's like it's literally they slap the film on it. They slap the trailer. They slap that, and it's just like a release. bare bones. Yeah. Yeah, it was like. Blu-ray, brand new, is is just coming out. Check it out. My, it was funny. My brother was just talking about that. It's like, yeah, I can't find that anyway. Dogma. It's like a good movie. It's like it's you know, it's like yeah, it's like and I didn't realize like it's been out of print for a long ass time. Then they with Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. You can't. Is it still not gotten a f- proper release? It did, but only in Europe. But you had to buy the European version, which I did. I said fuck it. I'm like, I dropped 120 bucks, I think, on it um for the 4k restored and you can you don't need um i have the four disc anchor bay one from dvd from back in the day i got that one too um but like i wanted to see it like i i I never bought the blu-ray version of it because i was always waiting for them to do like a better you know like a nicer one and that never happened and then but this you if you buy it 
I think now it's out of print, so I think now it's pricey, but it's yeah. worth it because they got um they got it's it's all the same films, it's all the same things, but it has all new bonus sticks, and you can watch all the films on a regular Blu-ray 4K player. You can watch all that stuff. You just can't watch the special features disc. Um, so that is in PAL? Yeah, that's in PAL. Um, but it's also got, I'll show you, it's got like a fucking booklet, bro. That, like, just showing each other like oh i got this it's like, that's so <laughs> it's become this <laughs> dude, dude everybody's gonna be like listening to this and be like what the fuck like, like yeah we're just looking at stuff if there are people listening at home fuck you this is times for me yeah exactly <laughs> fuck you all but i mean like so like that's like the that's thing. the set jesus christ that's like sick okay that's like how many discs uh hold on well before that you got this beautiful book Okay, so there's a full book in there. Wow. Wow. There's like a, a okay, there's a big fat book in there. And then there's a second big fat book in here that's dissecting the dead. Wow. That's like series of essays, I guess. Yeah, it, it's like essays, like there's like it was like pictures and like that's my zombie. Opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um let me put these back in here. Um, and then the disc, I think it's four or five discs. What is it like numbered? Like, cause like, I know zombie is, uh, it's what it's you're known in Italy and zombie two, as we know here is zombie Lucio Fulci zombie. So what, what is day of the dead considered number wise? It's not zombie three. Cause that's a weird movie. No, I, I think it's just known as day of the only, dead. over there. It's known as zombie. I think. Uh. So like this, so you got the original soundtrack. Yeah, I'm just going to turn this filter so you can, you can see my shitty kitchen. Um, so you got the soundtrack over here you've got what is this second site oh i think this is more soundtrack you have three discs of soundtracks uh a dewolf library compilation part one and two um and then you got the that's main... just this wow. so there's three discs just of soundtrack yeah and then you've got um the theatrical, theatrical... The extended cans cut in four, both of those in 4K. This one's in 4K. This is the European the Italian, Argento the, the Argento cut. Yeah, the 97 minute one. This is the one. one that's 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 region B. Okay. So that, and that's the special features. Hmm. And they're all upgraded. They're all in 4K. They all look super fucking sexy. Um, it's such a great thing. Um, and even without being able to like, you know, like watch the features unless you have the other, you know what? I can eh, always you can rip find it them somewhere else, but like also like one day I'll get like a pal. Um no, wait, wait. And you can find a pal player cheap. Um, oh wow. Neither do it whichever way. So that's a beautiful set. Dude, it's so worth getting. I've I've rewatched this and also it's the only 4k version of this that you can actually fucking get it's really, really revelatory like i used to be like ah oh, what's the difference and now it's like you know what movie flipped my lid on in terms of like oh when you watch yeah. stuff in 4k when i watched alien the first alien Ooh. which was a revelation to me yeah. like first of all because i'd only ever seen it like back in vhs days and i didn't realize it was the most stunningly gorgeous film ever shot <laughs> and it was like holy shit this movie's gorgeous like i had no idea because you just remember just being kind of murky and, and dark it yeah. is one of the most meticulously lit films ever made it's ridiculous the first day it was it was a combination of jaws mm. and um psycho 
Oh wow, yeah. Psycho in fucking 4K. Well, any of the old um at Gomes called Margento. Um, but any of the old um uh Hitchcock movies. Like I I got um I got like a Blu-ray guy that like I buy the Blu-rays off of. And you got a guy. I got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. Good deals. Gives me really good deals. I get 4Ks for ten dollars. Very good. Um, <laughs> but um he uh so i got rare window which i had never fully seen like i've obviously i've seen it you know i knew everything about it because everything's parodied rare window um and um so i got that one and uh vertigo Mm. and rare window is a fucking incredible movie it's my favorite of his not only is it a film not only is it a fucking movie that is a bottleneck movie that's just like one spot it doesn't it never leaves the fucking room no it's not even like a location. It's a fucking room. And he looks out the window. And it's not like, you know, like most of those films that do that type of thing, like phone booth or whatever. They're like a fast 75 to 80 minutes. This movie's like an hour and 45. And it yeah. not once am I ever bored. You never leave his point of view, which is insane. And the fact that that whole city block is a set. Oh, is yes. A, it's insane to me. It's like, you're oh, yeah. that's insane. Like that on a technical level, the movie's insane. You could never make that movie today. They've no, tried, they've made every version: *Fright Night*, *Disturbia*, like all these all these films that like came out, and they had to have other locations to keep people's attention. Granted, *Fright Night* is another masterpiece, but like, and that was never meant to be a one, you know, ball neck film. But even still, it's like they have to expand because you just can't. That's just a master filmmaker right there. Yeah, to but do that, watch, pull that move. Yeah, and you're like all the other like ancillary characters. You never really they're. In long shots, they're like far away and you don't even yeah. see aside from Grace Kelly and like a couple other people like you never in- interact with uh, with anybody. Yeah. And that's the point. You know, of course, that's what the movie's about. And but uh, but it's amazing that that works. Like a, it's like that. Sh- that sounds very uncinematic when you point it that way. But it's like, oh, yeah. no, it's one of the most cinematic movies ever made. <laughs> it's one of the most brilliant. And that ending is terrifying. Like, like when the guy comes to the door and shit and like, he's like doing, he's just doing the bulbs. Like that's, I mean, it it gets a little corny when the guy's like, ah, you know, he's he's almost like fucking Frankenstein, you know? (laughs) Um, But the film, the other film I got vertigo, which I'm not the biggest fan of. I I think visually the movie's astounding. I just people say that's his best film. I don't see it. I don't see it either. I think, you know, it's, it's the same with like North by Northwest for me. I'm like, they're good. It's good. Visually, but like the story, just like Vertigo's story, just kind of goes all over. But visually, in 4K, it's a stunning movie. Yeah. Oh my god, I was drooling. I'm like, this is so fucking gorgeous. It's funny. It the movies. It's funny how historians and critics talk about Vertigo, and it, the movie they're describing is way more interesting than the movie it actually is for me. <laughs> it's like that's about a It's about this and about that. I'm like, wow, that sounds brilliant. And then you watch it, it's just like, eh. But it's like weird. It's just like it's not interesting because there's this really awkward scene where the 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 antagonists sit down and just carefully explain what exactly is going on. And it just yeah. robs the movie of any magic for me. And it's just oh, like, yeah. oh, that's just kind of a lame way. And it's a very clumsy way to handle. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, it's a, I, it's, I thought that was you. clumsy. I, I'm with you. And also like like him, like becoming obsessed with like making her dress like the other girl and doing all this stuff. And it's, it just gets so weird at the end where it's like, it felt like there was like one movie 
for like that they were shooting for two thirds of it. And then they went, oh, let's take this other movie and flip it on here. And this is going to yeah. be a big twist. And I I'm never like, felt it's nowhere near Rear Window, which everybody's like says, oh, it's a, and Rear Window's like always oh, like the second best. I'm like, no, Rear Window is the better one. I mean, it's more. Yeah, it's more interesting thematically. It's way especially if you're a film fan. Because that's what it's about. It's about being a film viewer and it's about being an audience member and about boy, you're, it's just stop, stop. No, 100%. everybody goes nuts for like all these other films. I think some people just do it just to be like, oh, well, you know, you never watched Marnie. And I'm like, I, I have one guy saying that, you know, oh, you don't know Hitchcock until you see Marnie. And I'm like, look, I like Marnie. I think Marnie's great. I think Rope's great. Mm -hmm. But like to me, Psycho is his underrated masterpiece. Yes. A film to me. Uh, you know, like I look at longevity of films and like this has been my biggest fuck you to the Oscars um, is when Mad Max Fury Road lost the spotlight to me. Is that one? I don't even remember yes, that it was movie. Spotlight. Spotlight. That movie that and I'm not taking anything away from Spotlight. It's probably a great movie, is whatever. It? But here's uh, the thing. If you say so. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. I've never seen it. Um, you know, but like at the end of the fucking day, we are still going to be talking about Mad Max Fury Road and how it changed the way we should look at cinema, how it did something creative and, and completely reinvented that that genre and everything for the next 50 fucking years. The fact that there was no way before that movie came out, I'm like, listen, I'm always this guy. It's like, you know, like for a filmmaker of his age, I'm like, I'm probably not going to like the movie. I'm glad he's had another chance at that. You know, like get your victory lap, get your payday. I'll yeah. see it. I'll support it. I, to replace Road Warrior as my favorite of the series was just that's not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. And it's just like, yeah, Road Warrior is the second best movie now. Like, yeah. how did that? I didn't expect that. Uh, it's just it's an incredible film. It really is. And it just it literally takes you, grabs you by the fucking face pulls you into its face and starts screaming at you for two hours it's and it it's just massive. doesn't stop and the stunts the stunt work in that you know it's you know that, that, that's that's another big issue i have with the fucking academy like fuck you you want to give a you know a uh people's choice or fan favorite award but you won't give it to fucking stunt people like come on fuck off i mean the problem is that they're struggling to be relevant and they're, they're just doing the way they're just trying they, every time they try like the industry at large, every time they try to pivot to try to like stay up with taste, it's getting more and more like, hey, there, fellow kids. It's gotten to that level of silliness. Like, it's oh, like, yeah. I mean, like, the only reason why they were relevant this year is because Will Smith slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. That's all anybody talked about. That was the only interesting thing that happened. And I, I don't even know the film that even won that year. Okay. What, what, what? what the fuck was even nominated? I don't know. I don't care. I don't know. I, I, I gave up on that years ago. I was just like, you know what? This isn't for me. Uh, and it's not even because I'm like, you know, hey, fuck you. Fuck you, man. I'm like, no, it's just I, 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 a, I just don't think it's an entertaining product. There's a lot like, listen, when you grew up with three channels, anything that broke the fucking monotony, like an award show was welcome. But now yeah. that there's like things of actual interest like to watch not just the tv in a lot of different variety of media it's like yeah. i why would i watch that why would i watch a bunch of peoples and tuxedos hand each other trophies i don't care well also it's also <laughs> it's also so broken it's like look adam sandler um uncut gems was probably one of the best films it's amazing year. uncut gems and, dude uncut gems gave me a fucking anxiety attack i like so like almost too much those, it's dude, almost when, too when much was in, um when he, when he when he's at the school and they come after him I was literally rocking in my chair. Like I'm rocking like visibly. And like the person I was with just looks over at me and goes, 
and goes, what's wrong with you? You all right? And I go, no, I'm having a fucking anxiety attack. Yeah, like, I felt like I was like, no, it's the fucking movie. We got to keep watching. That movie is the only thing that ever made me feel like, oh, yeah, this is what day of three of a Coke binge feels like, where you just like it's <laughs> the, the, the glow has long worn off and you're just anxiety ridden and miserable. It's like, yep. Yeah. Come on, KG, let's go. This is how I win. It's a fantastic oh movie. God, and yeah, did, that got no like real awards love. No, it, here's the thing. It was supposed to be nominated, but the only reason is because he's a Republican, apparently. Adam Sandler's a Republican, and something about he he may have voted for Trump or he said something about Trump. I don't know. Um, but the Academy was like, we're not nominating Adam Sandler. So Adam Sandler said, and he went out. Um, and he, and he won like, uh, what's the other award? It was like a, not, not an Emmy, but he won something else, a golden globe, the golden globe. Cause they don't give a shit. And he, yeah. And he basically said, all right, if I'm not nominated for an Oscar, um, then I'm going to go out and make the single worst fucking movie of my career. And he did. And he made Hubie's Halloween. And that's why like, it's not a bad movie, but if you look at his performance in Hubie's, he's doing everything in his power to be annoying, horrible. And like, he's like, Hello, my name is Hulu. And it's just like, it's like, wait, what? You did that purposely. But the best thing we got out of that was the tweet from um, Kathy Bates as mama to, to her. Like, I'm sorry, your mama still loves you no matter what. <laughs> and oh, my God, that tweet made him not getting nominated. All worth it. I love Adam Sandler. I think he's one of the most underrated fucking actors. I think he's still hilarious. I don't care what anybody says. I, I, I still I, listen. When I was in high school, you could the heart. I I had like a date of sorts where I took her to see Billy Madison, and I am like she was never going to see me again after watching that movie with me because <laughs> I was laughing so hard like a lunatic that. People were turning around and looking at me when the clown falls down and that little trickle of blood falls out of his mouth. Yeah, it was incomprehensible. Something could be that funny to me at that time. I was just like the clown's fucking dead. He's bleeding out the mouth. I was like, it was such a stark. I'm also I also a person who thinks Freddie got fingered is fucking hysterical. So, dude, I think it's one of the greatest fucking comedies of all time. Shesham, Shesham, the badges, the badges, the badges, the Shawshank, the Shawshank, Shawshank. I say that all the time. My oh cousin uh, has a po- uh, uh, podcast that does audio dramas, uh, and he has uh, one of his be- episodes was uh, called The Bathroom Man. And we can't call it that. It's The Backwards Man, The Bathroom Man, The Backwards Man. <laughs> dude, and every I time he says The Bathroom Man, he's like, yeah, dude, every time he's like, as I was writing it, I can't fuck it. I started just chanting The Backwards Man, The Backwards Man. Dude, I uh, remember the first time I saw Freddie Goffin because I was a huge Tom Green fan. I remember going to the theater at the very beginning when him and uh, Rip Turner were like, you're gonna make me proud, son. I'm gonna make you proud, Dad. Proud, proud. And he like it just cuts to, like that medium, and like he's like takes the labar and he moves forward. And he goes, "Get the fuck out of the way!" <laughs> I started crying from that moment on. Like, and the best thing to do is to was to watch the crowd. And I used to I saw it like five times in the theaters, and like I just started watching as. Like I started like marking it and being like, okay, let's see how let's see how long people last. People, you always lose people with the with him jerking off the horse. They just get up and they go back because they can still get their money back at that point. Then it's the swinging of the baby, you know, from the umbilical cord, dude. I just I would laugh my ass. I'm like, ah, I, I can't believe a studio gave a guy him money to do that. Like when I saw it, it was just like, I can't believe this is happening. 
I, I, and the thing was, I wasn't a Tom Green fan before that movie. Like I said, like, ah, I, I, I seen clips of it. I, I, not that I disliked him. I just didn't, he wasn't on my radar. Yeah. I saw that movie just not knowing anything about him. And the same thing when that kid smashes his head against the car and it's <laughs> out of his mouth. And it's just this very stark. It's not shot like a comedy moment. It's this very stark re- reality of an injury of that type. And it just holds on him. Just going, ah, ah. See, I'm like I'm weird. That is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like that Dude. makes me laugh so hard. That kind of thing. Doesn't that kid get killed? Does he? Oh like, yeah, he falls into propellers. Well, the thing is, at the end of the movie, he said the studio made him do one thing. He gets the, it's supposed to end with him getting hit into the propeller blades, and then his his gore just flies everywhere, and that's how it's supposed to end. The studio, like that, was the one thing he had to relent is that the kid has to say. I'm okay. Like, and they had to ADR the kids saying that because it's literally the only. Listen, we've let you get away with all this. You, that's literally the thing the studio says. You have to, you have to say the kids okay. And he's like, Oh my god. Okay, it was <laughs> the weirdest thing. That's what he's like. Okay, fine. Like, the, you could have that. Okay, dude. The scene where like, we're like, where, where the father comes downstairs and he's like, and he's like, you ruined my life. You want to fuck your daddy? Fuck me, huh? Fuck me, Gordy. And this is film legend. Rip Torn. I I always ask him, it's like, how the fuck did you get Rip Torn to do? Like, this is an Academy Award nominated actor. Won multiple Emmys for Artie as uh, on Larry Sands, one of the best shows ever. And he's just a great actor who's worked with like some of the best directors ever. And it's like, and to see him doing that, this nonsense. (laughs) It's oh the most God. amazing thing ever. He's so amazing when he like everything the father does. Like he's just such a great piece of shit dad. Oh look, oh look, hon, our sons figured out the pulley system. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, I love that. You're making me want to watch that movie, but I can't yeah, I watch think it's gonna on horror right now because it's Halloween month. Yes, yeah, I'm in that cycle too. Listen, I could go all day, but I, I have know, a dog seriously. that needs walking. And uh, I'm probably going to have to put this in two parts. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, that's amazing, dude. <laughs> uh, but definitely love to have you on again. Uh, yeah, check dude, out the dark. This is a fucking blast. Like, absolutely, dude. Uh, definitely check out Dark Offerings on Amazon. Is there anything else you'd like to plug that uh, anybody could see you stuff anywhere? Um, yeah. So, so Amazon, so Amazon Prime is for Dark Offerings. Um, you know, um, I'll plug Damien's movie. Um, make sure you go to see Terrifier 2 in theaters. Um, it's It helps support indie filmmakers. It helps support um, indie horror. And it really showcases that, you know, like what can be done with a, with next to nothing budget. And it's competing with the big dog. So make sure it's extended. Um, this is probably going to come out after that. But hopefully it gets extended to when this does come out. Uh, who um, knows? Who knows? At this point, it might just stay in theaters forever. <laughs> I'm hoping so, you know. And um, and uh, yeah, if you want to follow me or find me, I'm on Instagram at Marcus Slabine. Um, you can follow all the updates. Of Is that me. how you pronounce your name? I've been saying Slabine the whole time. Sorry, everyone messes it up. Oh it's, Jesus yeah. Christ! You're fine. Um, but yeah, so it's Instagram slash Marcus Slabine. Um, go to um, um, uh, what the hell is it called? Um, Night of the Living Dead. It's uh. Two. Um, we have a website. Just go to nightlivingdead2.com and uh, sign up for the emailer. There'll be some updates coming soon. Um, or and follow us over there on livingdead2.com and also on Twitter. Yeah, I think that's everything. Okay, and we'll put uh, send me the links. Uh, we'll put it in the description. Uh, oh, for perfect. This. Yeah, I'll, yeah. 
Uh, Marcus, thank you so much. And this has been great and hope to have you on again soon. Uh, right. This has been incredible, man. I've, I've had awesome. too much fun, but yeah, this is a lot of so fun. Much for having me on. Though. No, thank you. Uh, okay. As for scum of the year, uh, Frank Bonacci and I'm still the scum of the earth. Thank you. What a weird sign off.